1: What is happening, my friend, and welcome to the Chasing Poker Greatness Podcast. This is your host, Brad Wilson, the founder of EnhanceYourEdge.com, and today's guest is the host of the Rec Poker Podcast, Steve Fredland. More than anything, Steve wants to help people live their most fulfilling lives. For him, this has meant leaving the corporate world after 25 years to pursue speaking, coaching, and consulting. While allowing time to play poker and further develop the Rec Poker podcast, Rec Poker has nearly 170 episodes and has gained acclaim from many guests, media outlets, and listeners. The focus is on strategy for the recreational player, but wrapped in a comfortable blanket of authentic community. Many people have become diehard listeners. Because they have longed to be part of an encouraging poker community, which is what Rec Poker offers through their podcast, Discord channel, monthly free home games on Poker Stars, social media conversations, and membership opportunities. They are good people learning poker and enjoying relationships, which, as faithful chasing poker greatness listeners, you'll know that I believe is what poker is all about. You'll learn how Steve simplifies complex poker ideas so that newcomers to the game can better understand poker strategy, why being surrounded by a great community can skyrocket your game and your life, why Steve believes principles will take you much farther than rote memorization, and much, much more. So without any further ado, I present to you Steve Fredland on Chasing Poker Greatness. Steve, good morning. How are we doing, sir? Good
0: morning, Brad. Doing well. Um,
1: wanted to start our show out by asking you, how did you get involved into playing cards in the first place?
0: Yeah, well, I, I grew up playing a lot of cards, you know, different games like that. But in terms of playing poker, playing uh, Hold'em, it, it's sort of an interesting story, at least to me. So, uh, I have three three children and it was about eight or nine years ago where my kids used to go fishing with me. I had a really small boat and take them out fishing and they kind of lost interest in that deal. And I have a couple of buddies and between the three of us, we had 10 teenagers at the time and we were chatting like, how could we connect with our kids? You know, we're always looking for ways. How do you connect with your kids? And, and somebody, one of them said, uh, you know, you guys ever play poker? Like you ever do that? And we're like, not really. We played cards, but uh, the, the idea came up and we said well let's try it let's see what the kids think and so we brought this idea up of playing poker uh, and we started doing it so it'd be <laughs> 13-handed uh, some nights where it'd be the three of us and our 10 kids and we would play for like a quarter for the whole night and we started playing Texas Hold'em and you know it was within like oh, you know a month or two and I'm like I love this game what is this game and so we'd, we did it for like a year or two we'd have the trophy and all this sort of stuff and then the kids kind of lost interest they move on to the next thing and uh, but a couple of us were like, I'm sticking with this. And that's how it started. Uh, and then from there, I went and played in a, a bar league on a Monday night, a free bar league, and started playing some hands that way. And it just sort of accumulated from there. And, uh, yeah, just just immediately fell in love with the game. And uh, I credit my my kids who don't like fishing anymore uh, for getting <laughs> started in, in playing Texas Hold'em.
1: So when you decided, you know, that you loved the game, that it was something you wanted to pursue. Kids be damned. Um, <laughs> right. What what was your next steps? I mean, did you, were you focused on improving your game? I know that you have, you know, the reg poker podcast now. So was community building like linearly, how did that take place?
0: Yeah, it was pretty slow at first. Like uh, one of the other guys and I, you know, just decided we loved the game. We started playing in the bar league and we were just trying to play in there. Like, Whatever you know, there was really no big plan to take it to the next level. It's just we really enjoyed it. It was a nice hobby, good way to meet people. And it was through that process I did that for like a couple of years. Uh, met some really good people that I found were actually studying the game a little bit, learning a little bit more about the game. And so we'd chat with them at the tables, and then find out like what they were listening to, what they were doing, how they were improving the game. And then um, I started going out on Twitter and asking questions about poker, and that's where I started getting connected with other people and realized there's people just like me who have full-time jobs who are actually learning this game and are very smart about the game. Um, and we started exchanging stuff on Twitter. Uh, then I would start playing small binds at the local casino and meet them there and talk about it. And it was really, you know, it really was sort of a gradual thing with no expectation. I had no idea how intense the game was or like how complex the game was. Right. I know it's cliche. The whole takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master or whatever, but it was so true. Like all of a sudden people started talking about Wait. You know, and I I started asking questions. I realized they're not playing their cards; they're playing me. And you start getting those things. And and I started getting um, just really excited about learning this thing. I'm a strategy guy, and so uh, I realized this is a game of chess and not checkers. And um, not to be cliche, not to be cliche. (laughs) Yeah, my whole life is a cliche. I'm I'm one walking cliche. But but no, that is that is it. And so it's hard to really like pinpoint a, a certain time when things change, but it was this uh, slow accumulation of relationships and of knowledge and realizing, you know, I think this is something that I could actually do and be fairly successful at. And I really enjoy it. You know, now I'm 50 years old. I was a few years younger then, but, you know, I've, I've had leg surgeries. I've sort of lost my ability to compete uh, with tennis, which is something I really loved and, and all of these things. And this became, uh, I guess, sort of a, a competitive outlet for me. And just started looking for opportunities to play more.
1: And how did Rec poker specifically come about? How did it go from you know competing in in bar leagues, which you know are pretty? Are they lax? I've never actually played in a bar league, so oh, you need you tell to do me. that,
0: man. Um, none of us knew what we're doing. Well, th- that's not true. There's some people that are actually pretty good, but um it's more of a social game and you know the structure is like you get 1500 chips and the tournament's done in 2 hours you know it's it's one of those sort of crazy things but but transitioning out of there uh was was really about starting to play in the casino playing a little bit deeper structure, which is sort of laughable for a professional to say that, you know, when that was a four hour tournament with 15 minute blinds, wow, that was awesome. Uh, But, um, but no, the rec poker thing started with, um, I I started being a podcast consumer in other areas of my life. And I couldn't find a podcast that really worked for me with poker. And I'm sure they were out there, um, but I couldn't find one. There was either people talking about what they did, you know, over on their weekend in Vegas, just really entertainment sort of things, or it was people, uh, that were just so high level that I, it just didn't make any sense to me at all. Like I was, they were speaking a foreign language and I had done a little podcasting, uh, a non-poker related thing. I thought, well, why don't I just start a podcast? Like I love to ask questions. So it's kind of a natural fit. I could have people on, I could ask them questions. I could learn the game. That was really my goal, really a selfish motive. Uh, how do I get free coaching from uh, some of these players, at least in Minnesota where I'm, where I'm, headquartered uh, and and see if they're willing to open up and and answer some questions. So that's where it started. Just a real hobbyist sort of thing. Uh, Rec poker, obviously for recreational poker uh, to let people know this is really geared toward those of us who are working full time and just trying to play poker on the side.
1: So trying to bridge the gap between the advanced strategies that admittedly go over a lot of newer or recreational players heads, especially you know, there's a thing, the curse of knowledge, where once you know something, it's very hard to unknow it yeah. and look at things from somebody who doesn't know what you know's uh, perspective. And I find that with a lot of poker coaches and a lot of poker players in general, it's hard to go down um, a few levels and speak in a language that human beings can understand <laughs> that aren't completely fully immersed in the poker world.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the strength areas that I have, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. One of the things for me and it's evident in my corporate world, I would always have to deal with these incredibly complex things like cap, uh, capital markets hedging or actuarial science and some of these things, and then be able to have to communicate those to uh, people that aren't involved in those. That's sort of been a, a hallmark of my entire career. I used to take these really intense concepts that I'd have to present at work and I'd present them to my 12-year-olds. And I, I felt like if they couldn't understand them, the, the presentation wasn't ready. And so that's something I've always done. And so I wasn't really going into it with that idea of taking the intense, complex, and making it simple. Uh, but that's really what it became pretty quickly. Uh, as I would start talking to these people who were thinking at levels way above me, uh, I would just ask them a million questions. Probably, you know, annoying the heck out of them. But really getting clarity. Uh, I had a friend of mine once call me Captain Clarity. That's kind of what I do is just dig in and say, okay, I'm still not getting this. Like I'm still not connecting the dots. But then once I connect the dots then being able to communicate that and share that in a way that makes sense to people. So, you know, some of these real complex things now bring it down and say, you know, here's just what you want. Here's why position is important. You don't need to know all of the mathematical GTO foundational elements of that. Just know that it's important. And here's what you should do in applying that.
1: And that's so, so, so important to keep asking questions in order to gain clarity. And I don't know, I can't speak for the the folks that you're quote unquote bugging with all the questions, but like (laughs) You're, you're bridging the gap, right? And you're yeah. a proxy for your audience. Like I'm a proxy for my audience. That's how I think of podcasting. I think that if I'm bored in a conversation, my audience is most likely bored. If I'm confused, my audience is most likely yeah. confused. So you being a proxy, you have to ask those questions because if, if, if you can't get it, your audience is not going to get it. And then the whole thing is just not super valuable for the people that you're, you um, for your audience.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's sometimes where the audience is going, Steve, we get it. Stop. <laughs> but but it's because I don't get it. Uh, but no, I think general. I think generally you're right, and I think that's why it's it's strange for me to be on this side of the microphone because I'm used to asking the questions uh, because that's where I, I feel more natural that way. But I'm always constantly trying to figure things out, trying to learn some things, but kind of to to the point to to take all of that information and bring it into a principle that we can actually apply because. Just the knowledge of, you know, just acquisition of knowledge has never been something that 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 appeals to me that much. It's the acquisition of knowledge for the point of being able to apply it to my everyday life and including poker. So, yeah, I like that. The, the idea of bridging the gap. That is really what I'm doing. It's trying to give give access to people like, like me who would never have access to the great minds like you and the other professionals that are out there. But give them access to that, but then also translate what's being said into a way that we can actually apply and actually see, see uh, impact on the field. And I love
1: that. I love, um, you know, that's a greatness bomb. If if there's a quote, if more knowledge was all we needed, then we'd all have six pack abs and be billionaires. Right? Knowledge is not always the answer. And in a lot of cases it can be a crutch to Mm -hmm. folks trying to learn poker. They, they just try consuming and consuming and consuming all of this knowledge without applying it. Um, taking the theory into practice. And these are two massively different animals theory and then taking action. And when you're going to take action, this is the point in your career where having a coach, having somebody that you can bounce ideas off of, a community to get clarity and feedback on your decisions, and not just any community. I, I do want to say because uh, the quality of community 100% matters. You don't want an echo chamber. You don't want to be the smartest right. person in your com- in your community. You want to get good feedback from hopefully great players. That's that's the fastest way to learn and grow, just as a poker player and in any pretty much any area of life. Is you reach a pain point, find somebody that knows what they're doing that can look over your shoulder and say, "Oh, you need to do this, this, and this," and you say. Holy shit, I never thought of that. And <laughs> right. then you go from there, right? But yeah, make sure that the feedback that you receive always as a poker player is good feedback because bad feedback can just absolutely crush you.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think you know it, it starts with having a clear vision on what you're trying to do and what you need. And in some situations, you just need a good group of, you know, community members that are about your same level to talk through some things or whatever. Then there's other times where, you know, if you're trying to take your game to the next level you need experts beyond your existing community. So however you can get that, if you can weasel your way into a community of people that are better than you and they'll give you the time and they'll answer your questions, that's phenomenal. Otherwise, there's options like what you provide, like coaching, you know, to say, I just need I need some, you know, some real specific uh, focused, you know, mentorship in this area. Um, so I think that's where, you know, just being self-aware, I think is so important as well you know, where am I at in my game? What am I trying to, why do I play poker? You just start there. What's my goal in poker? If it's part of that is including trying to get better to make more money, then you have to ask the question of, well, how am I going to get there from here? And in some cases it's having a good community. Some cases it's consuming content. Some cases it's getting a coach. And I think you just have to be self-aware. I don't think there's one right answer for everybody, but the point that you're making is you've got to figure out where you want to go and you've got to surround yourself with the people in some way, shape, or form that can help you get there. I think that's incredible wisdom.
1: Absolutely. And what I find most people try to do is they try to play their way out of it. They try to play uh, to, to improvement. And I, I've seen so much suffering and so much pain most of the time. I mean, let's be honest here. This is where my students come from. They come from a source of pain and suffering. When the pain and suffering gets so much, that they can't bear it mm-hmm. anymore that they're about to give up as a last resort, they say, "I'm just going to throw some money at a coach and see if if this can get resolved in some way right and that's one way to go about it: reaching that pain and suffering threshold. However, it doesn't have to be that right. way, right like it, you can invest hours and hours trying to improve your game days, weeks, months, years sometimes, and that that's opportunity cost like a year where you're not improving, you're improving very slowly, is going to cost you a shit ton of money mm. compared to improving earlier and then using that knowledge over the course of the following year, right? Like, I think education, investment, I'm a big advocate of, like you said, however you can, if you can weasel your way into a community of guys, I find it is probably going to be unlikely at this stage of poker. Um, and what I know the easiest way, you know, you mentioned Ryan LaPlante, if you're into multi-table tournaments, his website is amazing and he does a great job of community building and interacting. Just find a way to enter a community, talk to people and don't be shy.
0: I love it. And, And I love what you said about, you know, we wait until we're at the breaking point to take action. And it's such a, an insight for our everyday lives. I know that's been sort of my history is like, i would just struggle at work and you know what's going on what's going on and you know once i'd reach a breaking point then i'd reach out to my mentor and say hey help me out here and then you know when i ended my corporate career it was like a lot of anxiety a lot of real just struggle just real real difficulty and it was at my breaking point that i finally reached out and talked to a a psychologist about what's going on in my mind here you know and and you know i think we have this this think of like I said i'm going to play my way out of it i'm going to work my way out of it uh and we do all of this damage to ourselves But if we would have just got help earlier, we'd be in a much better situation. And I think there's a stigma associated with that in our lives. But I think in poker too, right? I mean, you know, if you're if you're playing well and you just need a few tweaks and you have a poker coach, well, that's silly, right? Why would you have a coach when you know things are going well? Well, that's why Tiger Woods has a swing coach, right? I mean, you need you need to keep improving, uh, depending on where you're at. Like if you can make, like you said, if you can make a an incremental change when you're already doing well that's going to make you more money. That's going to give you more success. So who wouldn't want that? But we don't think of it that way. We think of it, uh, people like you or other coaches or any help of any kind is they're there as sort of a safety net when we crash. And I think that is the wrong perspective.
1: Yeah. It's, and I'm guilty of this too, right? Like I've struggled in, in endeavors and then I eventually break down and I, I hire some somebody who is at a different place in whatever thing that I'm trying to do. And Every single time I do it, I've always waited too late. I've always waited way too late. And you hit the nail on the head with the Tiger Woods analogy. I mean, I had Fedor Holtz on the show just a little while ago. He gets coaching from all different areas of life all the time at the height of his powers. That's not a a coincidence that world-class professional poker players get mental game coaching. They, get, um, they have a, a close-knit community that gives them feedback on their play, which are basically coaches. I yep. mean, th- these are guys that are high-level players giving them feedback. It's not coincidental that the the most successful people all fall into that same category of having somebody influence their decisions and keep them on an even keel and make sure that they're not making detrimental mistakes in their career.
0: Yeah, and I think along those lines, like I, I see it firsthand in – in the Minnesota poker community, that's where I'm from. And you see all these people, we all, we're all kind of in that same place, right? Some people were a little bit better, whatever. You know all these people. And when we started talking about building community and learning the game together, there's a lot of people that jumped onto that, like, yeah, let's go. And then there's a lot of people like, oh, my God, that's I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Well, here we are three years later, and I can tell you with certainty that the people that were part of this process of learning and growing together have far surpassed the people that are still playing the same game they were playing three years ago. And that's fine. They can do whatever they want to do, but I, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, the people that embrace this idea of learning together, and you know, to, to do that, it's, it's give and take. You have to be willing to share what you know and how you think about that, and and be um, sort of transparent and vulnerable with you know how you think about hands. Uh, but the people that have been willing to do that are, are on a on a curve on a trajectory that is much deeper uh, than the people that are saying, "Nope, I'm going to keep my information to myself. I'm going to learn everything myself." Uh, in, in general, at least, I can make that statement.
1: I don't know of any professional poker player at the highest of levels that did it all on their own. Mm-hmm. Go- going back to Fedor, you know, he was with 10 guys in Germany, yeah. and all 10 of them, within a few years, were in the top 100 poker players in the world. It's crazy. That's, yeah. that, it's not coincidence. That's they, what he
0: said. It's not variance yeah, that, it's ha- not, that that it, happened.
1: It's not lucky. It, that yeah. happened for <laughs> a reason because they all push themselves. They all learn from one another. And and like poker is a, a solitary venture. Like I've said many times before, it's a solitary venture. But behind the scenes, it can be a team game yeah. learning and growing together.
0: And, and the fun that comes with that too. Like I think, again, depending on how you're trying to play, but we, we've done these play and learns and I'm sure you've done things like this where we, you know, we get together, a group of people, we, all, we play like we would normally play. And then at the end of the hand, we flip over our hands and we talk about it. And you learn so much. Like, why didn't you raise there? Why did you? Why didn't you? Whatever. What about the stack size? Everything. Uh, so there's a lot of learning that happens. But the fun and the relationship building that comes out of stuff like that, for those of us who are at least recreational players... We look back on those evenings as like the best nights ever. We learned poker, but we just got to know these people. And now we have this common language. When we see that person, we say, hey, ace, five of diamonds or whatever it is, Uh, you know, and you kind of build this rapport. And for a lot of us, yeah, for a lot of us who are looking for that community piece, especially as guys, right? A lot of guys struggle with relationships, finding friendships. And the poker community can can be uh, an isolating sort of thing because, you know, a lot of times you go to the table, you put the headphones on, the hoodies, you don't talk to anybody it's sort of a natural thing. So for those of us who are out there going, man, I'm doing this for fun. I want to build relationships and I want to get better. Community learning is, is so much the answer for a lot of us.
1: And one of the missing components, I love what you said there about the play and learn where you turn over the cards and you talk about your decisions. One of the missing elements I found in most poker players education is they don't do great market research they're worried about themselves. Yeah. What, what do I do in the cutoff? What do I do on the button? Yeah. And that's that's pretty much step one, right? Like that's that's sort of baseline strategy. Moving forward from there, your cards. You know, you, you again hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, "Oh, my opponents are playing me." This is what poker is about. I, it's about figuring out your tendencies, exploiting them, understand what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it, and when you turn the hands over and people explain their thought processes. When you're in a community mm-hmm. and people post a hand and people ask, why did you do this? And they start under, they start explaining, oh, I did this because of X, Y, Z. This gives you insight into how the players you're playing against are likely thinking. And once you have insight into how these players are thinking, you can meet them on their paradigm and then you can take advantage of whatever it is that they're trying to do. You construct your strategy around their strategy. And that is really the heart of successful poker to me.
0: I love that man. That's a, that's a soundbite there. That's fantastic. I want to take that back to my people.
1: Yeah, this is turning into the Brad Wilson podcast. No, this- <laughs> it's good,
0: man. But yeah, so- of the- I'm more comfortable here. Like. <laughs> I want to ask the question to you. You you drop the wisdom.
1: You ever want to see me squirm? Just uh, when I'm doing one of these interviews, just ask me a question back that I'm not expecting. Uh oh. I fall the pieces because I nice. I'm the question asker here, sir. Right.
0: You got the battle of question askers here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's great um, stuff.
1: What would you say? What's the most unexpected thing that's come from your pro poker
0: journey? The relationships, just 100 percent. The relationships, like friendships, like. Community. Um, I'm I'm an introvert uh, by by trade, which does surprise people. But I am. Uh, I'm in a long term analytic. I prefer my alone time. I'm a withdrawer, uh, and so I went into this thing thinking, okay, I'm going to interview people, and then we'll be done. Like you know what I mean? Like uh, I get to talk to you, and then I don't have to talk to you ever again. Um, not that I don't like you, but that's sort of uh, how I work. And what you know through this long process of these last few years of playing a lot and podcasting and starting to get you know known at least locally. Uh, I've developed these, these great relationships with people and the sense of community where I go into our local casino at running aces and they're like, Hey Steve, you know, it's good to see you. And I mean, I just, I'm eating that stuff up. So uh, it's not really poker related, but it's what's, what's come out of this journey uh, that has surprised me quite a bit in a very, very positive way. And then the other side of it is just, I, you know, when we started this thing three years ago uh, I would watch people on TV, you know, like Daniel Legranu and Maria Ho and, or hold to be like, wow, you know, and it's usually the the edited version, so you really don't know what's happening. But like, wow, this is like poker greatness, right? And you know, three years later, I've been talking to these people, and they may or may not ever remember me. That's perfectly fine. But as a as sort of a, a poker rube, um, <laughs> I, I never in a million years thought I would have an interview with Daniel Legra or fader Holtz or any of those people, so that's been super exciting that I've really uh, appreciated and I look back on with 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 just really great fondness
1: The poker community as a whole is has been is very generous with their time and their energy and way more than you would think at sharing wisdom and helping folks out yeah. in, a, in a public forum is, can you going back to the friendships can you give me a personal example of something maybe not? as simple as walking into a poker room and seeing somebody, but just a, uh, a friendship that's developed specifically through poker.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm going to be leaving people out. Like I know people are listening to this and be like, Oh, why do you see me? You could just, um, just one no, simple, I'll give you one. Simple I'm going to give example. you one. I'm just going to yeah. tell everybody right now. I'm sorry. I'm not telling your story. Uh, Cause I have so many and you know who you are. Uh, Chris Jones. I'll bring up Chris Jones. Uh, I don't even, I think we just started meeting on Twitter. Like he would respond to some stuff about rec poker or whatever. Uh, and clearly there's like a connection, like, okay, I, I like the way that this guy thinks. Um, we started chatting a little bit. Uh, it turns out, uh, I'm also in the process of writing a book, a non poker related book about some of my life stuff. And I was talking to Chris about that. Oh, Oh, by the way, he's a, he's an author and he works at a literary society and he's written a book about how people write their first books. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's like, could this be more perfect? So now he's involved in the process of writing a book and now he's on the content team. And I've just, appreciated getting to know him and i just love how he thinks i love how he approaches life all of these things so um that's one of those things that i didn't know this guy from adam uh all of a sudden five by five on twitter starts exchanging tweets with me and we become friends and i just value his relationship and it's one of those one of those things where you look back and like how did this happen like how did i connect with this guy and now we're like heavily involved uh in doing some things together Uh, so just one example of the many
1: right I'm just I'm trying to hammer home the you know the benefits of getting out there of talking to people and creating these relationships more so than just hey what's up dude that I see in a poker room sort of uh, you know that's like more acquaintance type thing but deep friendships there's so much value into putting yourself out there in the poker world like if you're shy listening to this show I've said it so many times if you're shy stop being shy. Get out there, put make yourself vulnerable, talk to people because these relationships are at the heart of, you know, they're they're the highest, most valuable thing you can do in your poker journey.
0: Yeah. And I would say, like I said before, I'm, you know, I'm an introvert. I, you know, I, I was uh, really difficultly shy, you know, growing up, but I think one of the things this does, one of the differences that separates at least a lot for a lot of, at least a lot of guys and our gals that fall into this category too, uh, we don't like to just get together and chat about you know, whatever's happening. We kind of want something specific to talk about, or it's like, we want something specific to do. Like we'll go to a ball game. We'll play foosball. We'll play poker. We'll talk about sports, but it's rarely just going to be getting together and just hanging out, uh, at least for, for me. And so I think what poker does is it gives that sort of forum. So you have this this something you already have in common. So you can start the, building those relationships through Twitter or through Facebook or whatever it is. And then when you get together in person, it's not this awkward Hey, what's going on? You know, there's this immediate sort of, we can talk about our sports team or we can talk about uh, the bad beats that we took or the tournament we just won. Uh, So I think, yeah, I think poker does give that sort of uh, content. So you're not lost in wondering what you're going to talk about because you get poker players together. Like, you know, I get together with my buddy, Stacy and we have our wives there. And like, I try not to talk poker because the wives, they don't care. Uh, And they shouldn't like, that's fine. But like, it's very hard. Like, once somebody says one thing about poker, you're like, oh, you're in the conversation. So, uh, I think poker provides that, that built in content uh, that makes relationships a bit easier.
1: And for introverts, especially, like, I consider yeah. myself an introverted person. The misnomer about introverts is that they don't like talking, right? Or that, you know, when you get a, a specific area that they're very interested in, you can't get them to shut up. Correct. Um, so that's like – I see that you have a theme because you're introverted. When you have a theme, you're not just kind of in this nebulous zone of uh, how's the weather today and what, right. do we, what do I talk about? Have a specific thing that you're interested in to talk about. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, because a lot of introverts just we, – we struggle with surface conversations. Yeah. But what we love is those more focused – uh, individual conversations.
1: Oh, for sure. On yeah. topics that we love, we just, yes. we, we go absolutely insane.
0: <laughs> um, we we start podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what does your process look like for as, you know, from a recreational player trying to improve on a regular basis? What is your process for regularly improving your game look
0: like? Yeah, I think it, it starts with the conversations, um, you know, with, with who we're talking to. But Uh, I've tried to try to build up my game, you know, sort of from scratch. Like, you know, I knew how to play, you know, I play at the bar leagues, whatever. And then once I realized that I really didn't know half of what I should know, or, you know, not even that amount, uh, my process is really figuring out like right now it's where are my leaks, but I'm still the way that I think about things and I'm very much a principle based person. uh, And so my process is not like micro learning where a lot of people are like, okay, what do I do with pocket fours under the gun? my process saying, what's the reality behind that? Like if they're saying I should open with these hands or not open with these hands, what's the actual principle behind that? So I'm always digging for sort of that, I guess that, that over, overriding truth behind things. So when we talk about position, for example, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'll just ramble anyway. Um, But like when we're talking about, like position, like I, I do have opening ranges. And I spent like 10 episodes talking about how I developed my opening ranges by position. But to me, it's the bigger question is what is actually going on here? Why is position so important? Let's dig in that. Let's figure out what is the principle behind that. So that's sort of my journey of asking questions is uh, until, until the light bulb sort of comes on, I'm going to keep digging and mining for that truth that's inherent in that, that principle that's in there. So when I'm facing a big decision, I don't have to try to recall, what should I do with second pair when I'm facing a shove? When we're, you know, three from the money, you know, like you just can't possibly remember all of that. It's what are the biggest principles that are at play here? So that's, that's my process is trying to ask questions, get as detailed as we want, look at specific hand histories, look at all of those things, but with always an eye on what's the, what's the undergirding truth here that we should all try to keep in mind. That's
1: a very intelligent way of looking at it because Looking at black and white, especially in poker, is very, very deceptive and can lead you just down a path where you you assume something is capital T truth when Mm. it's really not anywhere close to capital T truth. You internalize it. It manifests in your play. You don't understand why you're getting killed and because you didn't understand the principle behind why you're doing the thing in the first place. Why do we open 50% of hands on the button? Right? Because mm-hmm. it's a good, because both players are out of position, there's incentive to steal, everybody else is folded. Okay. So, like, understand the whys, the, the principles behind why you're opening. And then you can also go from there. Well, what happens when the blinds are super tight? What happens when the blinds are super right. loose? What happens when the blinds are aggressive? Then you have this 45% or 50% button opening range, and then it gets modified to fit the situation. So that you, you're just making good decisions,
0: you can't. And I think just to interject that, like, 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 that's such a good example. Like, it's not just going, okay, they have, we have a, a somebody who defends really widely. So I'm going to adjust my percentage to this amount. Like, you can memorize those things, but if you understand the principle, you just say, okay, what does that mean? Like, if I'm raising the button hoping I have this much fold equity and I don't have that much, what does that mean? You know, principle wise, right? And, yeah. and
1: and it just goes like. It's like a chain reaction too. It's like okay, well, this person's defending out of the blinds way too much, and so you could say, well, maybe I should tighten my opening range. But then maybe right. that person is folding too much to continuation Correct. bets. Maybe they have a physical tell. Maybe they have post flop betting patterns that you can exploit. So then you shouldn't reduce the number of hands right. you're you opening with on the should Expand it, maybe you should expand it. Probably <laughs> right. so, like you know, it's uh there's just there's a depth to poker that. Is intimidating, even to me, being 16 years in, and a lot of it is unseen. Mm. Um, it, it's it's a tough game. You can't memorize all these things. Like, right, there are so many different variables in play. I mean, anybody that's worked with a solver for a few hours knows you put in the variables, you press the little go button. And then it takes like 10 minutes for you to get some sort of response back, right? right. And this is a computer. Like, this right. is something specifically <laughs> meant to solve for this situation. So, like a human being, you just can't do it. So, throw that out the window straight away. Go for something like your principles, for instance. That serves you much better moving forward.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I used to work in the the financial services areas in actuary and we'd run these stochastic models for some of the nerds might know what a stochastic model is. And then you'd have stochastic on stochastic on stochastic. And so we would start this model to like price an insurance product and it might take two days to run, you know, like, like literally because it's all of these decision trees inside decision trees. And poker reminds me so much of that. Uh, Like you said, you can't possibly, even if you can figure out what the decision trees were, what all the probabilities were and figure out all of that stuff. Exactly. You, you never could figure out the decision in time. And so, you know, some, some people are more able to be a computer at the table for me. I can't, I, you know, as analytical as I am, I can't process things like that that quickly. So yeah, that's where principles come in. That's where it's like, okay, use all the computers, use all the solvers. That's all good to give you information off the felt, but then, yeah, what does that actually mean in terms of a principle? So then when you're in that spot, exactly, as you said, uh, I can sort of project my principle, like what's going to happen, flop, turn and river, like what's my strategy or my principles for each of those streets, but to actually have all of the information and have a precise decision on all of those, I think is, is impossible.
1: I think it makes people feel comfortable. They They don't want to feel uncomfortable mm. deeper in the decision tree. They don't want to feel like they don't know what's going on and the way you feel like you know what's going on is by looking at a little chart and being like, "Oh, okay, right. the chart says to do this, so I want to do that, right?" Yeah. And I just I hate to to break it to the people <laughs> that that's that that ain't poker. Empathy and problem solving are probably two of the best skills you can have as a poker player. They will take you way farther than memorizing hand charts, than mm. running PIO simulations all day long. Empathy for understanding why the incentives behind why people are doing what they do and understanding strategies and getting in people's brains, understanding their thought processes. And then problem solving is just, you know, information collection and putting the pieces together that allow you to effectively make great decisions.
0: Wow, so good. Yeah. And it's so different than what I first thought of when we played with our teenagers. Here's my <laughs> two, here's my two cards. Here's your two cards. We'll just kind of take turns winning, right? Over the long haul, that we'll all just win the exact same amount. Exactly. Yeah, having, hearing you talk about that having me be involved in that conversation now is, is I, I would love to have heard this conversation uh, 10 years ago when I was starting to learn the game.
1: It probably would not have resonated. It so. <laughs> wouldn't have made any
0: sense. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you talking about? Would it's a random
1: game. No sense. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the most high impact action beginner poker players can take to improve their game?
0: Well, I'll echo what we've already said, I mean, which is connect yourself with people that can help you improve the game or that have the same passion as you outside of poker. I talked a lot about this idea of shared passion. Like, um, you know, when you're passionate about something, that's great. When you find other people who are also passionate about it, you kind of go along the journey together. It's not a factor of two. It's like a factor of a hundred in terms of how much more you learn and how much more you enjoy the journey. And I would say the same thing in poker. Like, you know, when I first getting started getting excited about poker, that was fine when I found other people that were connected and that shared the same passion, Oh my gosh, like I enjoyed it so much more. And I learned so much more. So I would say that's initially, you know, as a broad sort of principle would be get connected with people who are passionate about it. I think, I think more strategically, I would say really understand the power position. I mean, I don't know how to, how to emphasize that enough for beginning players uh, to realize how your opening ranges should change and how that, how you know, hand selection pre-flop by position is is such an important piece. And so for so many reasons.
1: Yeah. uh, I I think about it like blackjack, right? Like why does a casino have an edge? Assuming, you know, there's not card counters and such. Why do casinos have an edge in blackjack position? Yeah. Because you have the opportunity to bust first. Yeah. Why? Like if you're, if you're a tennis player, right? Imagine having position and knowing where your opponent's going to hit the ball every right. single time you, you can just be in perfect a perfect place to hit all your shots right like that's because pos- that that's the power of position in poker um yeah it's uh one of the fundamental concepts that are most important to learn especially for very beginner players
0: and i think one of the the missing pieces that people don't get all the time is you know you get the information all those things you can adjust to how they're playing it or whatever but one of the things that seems to be a, an aha moment for people is just the very idea that this is the principle that when you're in position, it's easier to extract value when you have a good hand. And when you're out of position, it's harder to extract value and have a good hand. Like just even just that idea of, okay, you flop, you flop a set. It's pretty hard to get value when you're out of position, or it's a lot harder to get value when you're out of position versus being in position. So just that idea of it's, it's not just this sort of queasy feeling of, I raise with ace king and I don't connect and I'm out of position. It's this idea of when you actually have a big hand, how much value can you get? So when you're, when you're out of position, you tend to win, when you win pots, they tend to be smaller. When you lose pots, they tend to be bigger. You know, I think people kind of miss out on that, that piece of it. For some reason, that seems to be a missing link for a lot of us, uh, more beginning players.
1: And because people don't like lead in the preflop racer, people honor initiative in poker, Most of the time when you're in position, you can also, you also get the choice of, do I play for three streets? Do I play for two streets? How many bets am I going to put, put in the pot?
0: So true. Yeah.
1: What is up my loyal chasing poker greatness listener coach Brad here. And I just wanted to take a moment to ask you a simple question. How many times have you heard my guests and I speak passionately about the benefits of poker coaching? You get to expand your poker network, receive expert feedback you can rely on, and have your burning questions answered by a trusted mentor. Which brings me to the Poker Power Hour, a series of 100% free, live, one-hour poker webinars, masterclasses, and hand history breakdowns that kick off each and every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Poker Power Hour will be led by me, Coach Brad, as well as some of your favorite Chasing Poker Greatness guests. It will be your weekly guide for helping you plug your leaks, skyrocket your poker growth, expand your network of crushers, and inevitably win more money on the green felt. The Poker Power Hour is premium content and live only. There will be no free replays or view on demand, and the content will eventually be released as paid training only. So head to EnhanceYourEdge.com, opt in to the Poker Power Hour, and get for free today what you'll have to pay for later. Once again, to catch the Poker Power Hour every single week, head to EnhanceYourEdge.com and join the email newsletter. Now, back to the show. So, looking at your this journey playing cards when you think about joy what's the first memory that comes to mind
0: oh man that's that's a good one i've had so much joy at the tables i would say probably winning my first uh, casino tournament you know i'd won some home games and won some some at the bar and that sort of thing um but it, it took a while to kind of win that first one at the casino and and i don't know i think it was the joy was there because i was with a couple of people that i knew they were all excited for me uh, and I'm not talking about a big tournament. It was probably like a $50 tournament or something. Uh, but just that realization that, hey, maybe I can do this. And it just sort of affirmed me. But it was just fun. Like, I, I still, it just comes back to fun. Like, um, the reason I play tournament poker, not cash, I've only played cash a few times. And I have nothing against cash. But for me, it's this idea of taking a room full of people. Let's say it's 100 entries. And then it's ninety, and then it's eighty, and then it's sixty, and forty, and thirty, and all of a sudden you're at the final table, and then it's eight, and five, and three, and one. Like there, there's something about the rush that I thoroughly enjoy about being kind of the last person standing. And so I would say that's what I mean. The, it was the joy of playing with the kids, all that stuff was just fun. But from a pure poker thing, it was winning that first uh, casino tournament. Oh, I can. Imagine. I, was just, I was just beaming. Like oh, I probably sure. looked like the guy who wins like the the main the world's <laughs> event. Like I mean, it wasn't that crazy, but I was like I was really really happy. And, um, that came at a time for me when I was struggling in my career, you know, and that sort of stuff. So it, it wasn't like my whole life was, was peachy. Uh, that was a really, uh, a memorable thing because it came at a time when I wasn't experiencing a ton of happiness in my work. So,
1: yeah. And, uh, another theme that, that I've talked about on the show recently too, is, you know, playing poker is good for flow state and it's good for realizing you're alive. It, mm. Like getting a shot of adrenaline, getting that feeling that you're in competition and there's something to win. There's something at stake. Like yeah. all, all of these things are not things that happen to us in the day-to-day, our, our day-to-day business. Um, right. so that's, that's, uh, definitely a benefit of playing cards. I love that. When you think about pain in your poker career, what's the first memory that comes to mind?
0: Oh, there's, there's a bunch. I mean, it's, you know, you got bad beat stories, which I I generally don't tell a lot of bad beat stories, but I would say it's uh, for the first time. So I go to uh, three years ago, I went to the world series of poker for the first time ever. I'd never been to Vegas before. I went there for the world series, kid in the candy store. How awesome was this? Had so much fun. And so the last three years now we've gone back there, we take a group of people again, community, you know, we rent an Airbnb and just have a blast. But I went out to Vegas this year. had some nice success. I got my first World Series cash. I normally hadn't played the, you know, the actual uh, events. And so I really good success. And then some guys were like, hey, if you want to go back out for the main, uh, we'll stake you. I'm Like, what? Like, I never dreamed of playing the main event. Or at least now I thought it was maybe a few years out. Who are these like, oh, guys?
1: Who? who are these guys?
0: I know, right? I can't tell you that. Uh, uh, hey, no. <laughs> oh, you, know, you, want, you want access to them? But no, just just some friends, uh, poker community. Obviously, through the podcast, you get people and just people uh, bet, that
1: wanted to stake you in the main event. People that
0: want to stake, but they want that are just, I mean, this is where I talk about meeting these great people in poker. Like some of them I knew really well. Some of them they, I didn't, but they're just like, man, I want you to chase your dream. I want you to just go do this, wow. you know? And you know, when in the recreational poker world, a lot of us are, we work full time and we play this on the side. So there are uh, a lot of people are people of resource as well uh, that, they're okay giving you two grand to go take, you know, put 20% in you and go take your shot. And if they don't get it back, it's not going to mean food on their table. So absolutely uh, just, but just really generous people. And, you know, a lot of like $50 things. It was just super fun. Right. Uh, but anyway, so I, I get staked to go play and I'm like, I'm just so excited, you know, whatever. Get there. I'm out in level three. Like I busted in level three and I play a more conservative game. Uh, and with, I'll spare you all the details, but in, within three hands, I got one outed twice in a row um and it was just in the grossest spots whatever it happens but it's the freaking main event and uh the pain was just I was sick uh, i went on facebook live and i did a little video but i'm like i got to go i can't even i was physically sick and it just felt so much pain now i've taken beats like that before but it's the main event and i've got people that invested money in me like it's not just my money it's all these other people and they were all gracious or whatever blah 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 but that was really really painful and i remember I was going to stay for a few more days, but I just went home. And, but I remember thinking to myself, you know, if I can recover from this, I'll be able to make it in poker. You know, and within two days later, I went and played at the local casino and everything was fine. So I got over it, but that was painful.
1: Sounds painful.
0: It was painful. And so as far as bad beats go, and then there's a couple other things where, you know, there's a couple of people that don't really like me and I still don't really know why. Um, You know, and those are always painful, you know, as you become a public figure more and more. Uh, that's always painful because i'm the kind of person i like people to like me like my intentions are pure my motives are pure uh and when you have a couple people that you've offended in some way shape or form uh that that's hard for me uh as as a person so that's a little bit of pain that's come with trying to trying to help people improve their game
1: as as people say like if you you know it, if you appeal to everybody you appeal to nobody yeah so just naturally, some people are just not going to like you, no matter what you're doing, who you are, um, what your intention is. I think it's just it's a numbers game.
0: Yeah, Brad, you're, you're speaking truth, but I don't want that to be true. <laughs> I'm from Minnesota; everybody's supposed to like me.
1: But Steve, I, no, I, you're... <laughs> I have some uncomfortable and uncomfortable bomb. I, I really don't like you very much. No, exactly. Um, this conversation is horrible and
0: <laughs> but we're going to add you to the list. I'll put you on the list, <laughs> the, the apparently growing list of people,
1: the growing yeah. list. I'm going to start a <laughs> petition. I'm going to pull the Jason right. poker greatness audience, <laughs> right? Please do. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, yeah. You can't, that, please, that's painful. Can't you know, have, you, yeah, you always
0: want people to like you. Uh, you know, so that's a little bit, that's pain that's come with the territory, but yeah, I recognize it just comes with the territory. I've been in leadership long enough to know. Not everybody likes you, but it still uh, provides a bit of pain.
1: Especially you put content out on the internet for random anonymous folks to listen to. You're going, you're going to get a troll. Like you're going to get people right. that
0: you do. Yeah. But for, for, for three reason. years, you put out content for free. You're not making a dime. You're actually losing money, you know, and just, and you have people like, you know, rip on you. And I'm sure you've had that before. You're like, seriously, like just be quiet. Like just don't say anything. But, uh, but like you said, you know, it's, it's free speech. People can say what they want. They can like who they want and they can, They can articulate that if they want to. Uh, It's just, you know, I've got to to become a little bit better at just brushing that off. And I think I will over time.
1: And something that that I've learned is that how people act is a reflection of how they feel on the inside. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times folks that act in this way, it actually doesn't have very much to do with you. It has to do with them and their life. Because like logically, it, it never made sense to me. I've I've put out like a series of videos and somebody will just like um trash the last the last episode and say like this series is horrible. And I'm like but you list, you watch all of them. Like what well, like if I don't like something I'm watching right. it for 5 minutes and I'm turning the channel, right? There's like, plenty of
0: other options. Yeah,
1: who watches something only to trash the person that made it? <laughs> right. So to me it's like Logically, it doesn't make sense. So it's just a yeah. reflection of you know some pers- stuff going wrong in their personal life and right. how they feel about themselves. And so I try to have empathy yeah. um, for that person, but also I, I try not to engage. Yeah. Um, that's my that's my sound advice.
0: No, that that's good. And that's I mean I feel like I, I respond well. Just sort of like, well, tell me more about what's what's going on, and then they never respond. Uh, but yeah, it's probably better not to engage at all, but it's more like inside. Just, I just want people to like me. Oh, of um, course
1: it's, it's human nature. We <laughs> all do. It.
0: We all hate do. That. Well, it feels like there's people that don't care if people like them or not. And some days I'm like, I kind of want to be more like that kind of, but it feels like there are people that are perfectly fine. Not being liked.
1: It feels that way. I don't know if it's true or not.
0: Yeah. True.
1: Or if it's like a macro micro type situation, they don't care if the masses hate them, but there's certainly people in their lives that they uh, care, you know? Yeah. Um, so if you could gift all poker players, one book to read, and it doesn't have to be about poker specifically, what would it be and why?
0: Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know if I'll be able to answer that one. I'm not, I'm not much of a reader. I used to read so much. What about a piece Uh, of content? I would say, you know, that this is going to sound sort of off the wall. Uh, I'm a big believer in being self-aware and understanding, how you're wired personally and understanding how other people are wired personally. So even though like, like five years ago, I thought it was sort of mumbo jumbo. I'm kind of big into like personality stuff now, like uh, whether it's like the, the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or things like that. But um, I would say, I would say you owe it to yourself to understand how you're wired and what makes you tick. Because what it'll mean is it'll help you, it'll help you understand how you interact with the world and interact with each other. Uh, and then it'll also help you understand how other people interact with the world and interact with each other. And so it's, this has been so valuable. Like I have a group of friends and we, we, we were learning a lot about this Enneagram thing and I'm not promoting that. I'm just in general saying uh, any personality thing. So now when like, like we were all at this speaker, we all wanted to listen to the speaker and we all received it in very different ways. Like, some of us just loved it. Some of us hated it, whatever. We're like, this is because of how we are how we actually engage with the world and how we absorb information. Some of us have a filter right away and we say, okay, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. And so we just don't. Uh, some of us don't have that initial filter. We filter it later. We figure out how it's going to, you know, what it's going to mean for our world. Then we decide if we like it or not, if we're going to consume it. So I would just say anything that makes you more self-aware and makes you more aware of the people around you, uh, because then... Things like what you just the the insight that you just dropped about, okay, somebody might react in a certain way because that's actually, there's something going on in the inside. It does create empathy. And what I've found, and I'm getting way off the topic of poker, I know, but like what I found is um, that I view people less and less as having a character flaw and more and more like this is just sort of part of their personality. So when, when somebody reacts in a way that's different than I would react or that I think is off base. I don't immediately jump to, oh, their motivations are bad. They're a character flaw. I just think, okay, they re- they uh, are engaging with the world in a different way. And so it's helped me have more empathy, but also helped me understand who I am and helped me understand how I connect with other people much more. So, uh, I mean, that certainly could have a, a positive result of the poker table, but I love poker and I love talking about poker and I love all that stuff. But uh, frankly, I'm more interested in like the the state of humanity and having everybody, uh, have their their whole integrated life uh, be better, be more fulfilled, have more joy, more, have more happiness. Because I think um, if more of us can be more fulfilled in our lives inside and outside of poker, that's going to spill over to the rest of the world, and it's going to increase the level of joy and happiness uh, that we have around us. So um, <laughs> I, I went off a little bit off the poker rails, but that's really, uh, if you say, what's my message to poker players, it's the same message I have to uh, all of humanity, and that is get to know yourself, get to know other people, uh, understand uh, how we engage and then figure out how to engage with each other in a better way.
1: Absolutely. And it goes back to playing poker a little too and understanding how that people think differently about yeah. the game and meeting people on their own paradigm. We, we're all storytellers. That's how we make sense of the world through the stories that we tell ourselves. We all have different life experiences that cause us to react differently in different situations. So just understanding that, you know, Adam for Adam. If Brad were this person who's angry and upset, Brad would probably be angry and upset because just of their life experiences, their perspectives, and how the world is shaped around them. And um, I, I think it's just extremely valuable, just as a human being, to sort of not have those gut impulse reactions of like anger at somebody because of something. And try to think like, oh, maybe they look at things this way and like, how do I make sense of this so that I can do better in the future? Like 100%, I mean, I, I'm all for humanity too. And I'm definitely down for all things that improve your poker ability, but also help you to lead a happier and more joy-filled life. Like I'm a big proponent of taking care of your body, of taking care of your mind, meditation, being uh, feeling gratitude on a daily basis. It's a very small thing you can do. But when you apply it to the poker arena, when you're grateful every day for the things, the blessings that you have in your life, when you take a bad beat, it's not going to affect you mentally like it would if you weren't grateful on a daily basis. Right?
0: Yeah. I, I love that. I think that, yeah, that's the application. So when people blow up at you for playing six, five suited and you crack their aces you know, you can empathize with them, saying, "Okay, they're coming from a place of maybe they've had a bad week, whatever those things." But, 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 yeah, I think, you know, when you we take a bad beat too, like be able to put that in perspective, and you know that ultimately, for most of us, especially recreational players, this isn't our livelihood. Now, I I feel really bad for the pros that are kind of the you know the food is on the line kind of thing. That'd be a hard place to be. But I think you know, I think where the more that we can integrate our life experiences and think of ourselves. Uh, as as bigger than just the moment that we're in, I think that helps us keep things in perspective. Like I've said this many times at the poker table, like I get my aces cracked or whatever, and people like, oh my gosh, I want like, yeah, it sucks, but like I've been to Rwanda. I I mean I've seen I've seen people living in mud hunts, living on a dollar a day that haven't eaten for a week and their kids are all dying of AIDS and their neighbors were hatched up, you know, hacked up with machetes a few years ago. Like I you know, I've had that life experience and I know that's dramatic. uh, but I have that experience to say, okay, now my aces were cracked in a $50 tournament. Okay. It's hard for me to put that on par and really be, uh, be as vocal about it. Um, you know, I know there's people that don't have access to clean water and here I am sitting in a casino in Minnesota when it's 10 below zero outside and it's 65 degrees inside, you know, like it's just hard for me to to really get that upset, uh, about those situations when I have the life experience that I've had, but I think, you know, that doesn't have to be that dramatic, but I think for all of us to keep in mind that this is still ultimately a game that we're supposed to be doing to enjoy and connecting with other people. And um, yeah, we want to be the best. Yeah. We want to win. Yeah. We want to be competitive, but for me, it's helped to keep that in perspective that it's still just a game.
1: Exactly. Your, your heart's beating, blood's pumping through your your veins. You have, for those of us in good health, you have, relatively good health. That's a blessing that can be taken yeah. away at the drop of a hat. So just understanding that, okay, I have all of these things going for me. And if I lose at poker today, well, it's not the end of the world because I have all of these many great things in my life.
0: Yeah. And especially uh, if you if you can layer on top of that, the understanding of variance, which a lot of people still don't really get at a recreational level to just know your aces are supposed to lose 20% of the time, pre-flop or whatever it is. You know, I think those those things help as well. But I I love what you said there. I mean, we're we're the day after we're recording this. I hope that's okay if I say this. We're recording this the day after, you know, Kobe just died in a in a plane crash. You don't, you know, no none of us know what tomorrow's going to hold. And so for me, the the paradigm that I have when I'm at the table is, oh my God, I'm as competitive as the next guy. Like I want to win. I don't like losing. But at the end of the day, I'm in a pretty good spot here if I'm in a poker room with a few people playing a game for money. Like Let's keep things in perspective a little bit.
1: Exactly, hundred percent. If you could wave a magic wand and Ooh. change one thing about poker, what would it be?
0: I would say it's some of the attitudes at the table. Like I, I mean, are you talking about the game or just kind of the the whole thing?
1: Whatever you want It's your magic wand. <laughs> it's
0: my magic wand. Levioso <laughs> <soul> or whatever. <laughs> my kids are trying to teach me Harry Potter. Um, but like, I'd say it's 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 people berating other people, and uh, I mean. I see this at like $50 tournaments, $30 tournaments, hundred dollar tournaments where, you know, somebody plays a hand that the other person thinks is poor and then they beat them. And the person just goes off and berates this person. And this, I'm in Minnesota, so I can't even imagine what it's like in other places. Um, (laughs) But, but it's just, it's so bad for the game because I mean it makes them look bad of course, but you know, a lot of times these are new players coming to the casino that are looking for their first experience, and I'm working hard at Rec Poker to try to get people to have the courage to come from the bar league or their home game to play in a casino. Because I'm trying to grow our game, right? I'm trying to increase prize pools and make it more exciting and get diversity, and you know, in terms of all sorts of ethnicity and gender diversity at our tables. And people come, and then they're berated for how they played, and they—it doesn't even matter if they played it right or wrong. It's just so bad for the game. It's just gross. Uh, and so I would change that. I would change it to. Uh, not that everybody has to be outgoing and personable, but just respectful at the table. And again, it most of the time it is, but it happens enough for me to want to use my magic wand on that.
1: Unfortunately, I've found that as you move down in stakes, the smaller you play, the more frequent that type of behavior is. The bigger you play, you almost never see people... I played sixty hours a week at the Commerce Casino for like two or three years. I can't even remember one example of somebody Mm -hmm. just outright berating somebody for how they played their hand. And I think that's likely because players playing that stakes, those stakes, get it. Um, Mm -hmm. They get the overall picture that folks who are a recreational, hobbyist player, you know, like the the folks that staked you in the main event that they lose two K. It's you know whatever. It's not gonna it doesn't hurt them. If they have a bad experience, they're not going to come back. And, right. <laughs> and that's not good for the game. You right, don't want you to are. drive those players out.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I've asked that of people that I've done the B rating before. I've said, okay, so let me, let me just get this straight. You know, I try to do it as tactfully as possible, you know, not in the moment, but say, okay, so you think they made a mistake in how they played? Yeah, it was horrible. They made a stupid mistake. So why don't you want them to keep doing that? like, if they made a mistake, why would you want them to stop doing it? Why would you be coaching them? You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't make logical sense. So I think, you know, so many people, you know, their, their amygdala gets hijacked and they start, you know, doing the fight thing when really they should be like, man, that's a good play, you know, good. That's a good play to call my, my shove with your Jack nine. I I
1: don't see like, like, I don't, I'm not an advocate for like spreading misinformation like that. You (laughs) know, like I, I, I think like, it's just, it just is what it is. Yeah, you just look, uh, I, You know, I, it's, it's like you, you don't want, like you said, people's amygdala gets hijacked. They get triggered. They get emotional. They get angry. And they have that reaction, right? Yeah. One thing that um, was very intelligent, I believe it was Alex Fitzgerald. He said that with his students, whenever somebody talks trash to them at a poker table, like, you actually want that. You want somebody to talk trash about how you're playing because if a bad mm-hmm. player is accepting of the decisions that you're making and don't yeah. have anything to comment, you're probably not playing super well. So if you're playing like smaller stakes cash games and you get people yelling at you because of things that you did that you know fundamentally you know are close to correct, that's where you want to be because that means you're playing on a different level than them mm. and you have an edge over them.
0: Nice. I like it
1: couple more questions uh if you could erect a billboard every poker player has got to drive past it on their way to the casino what's that billboard say
0: ah oh, man now see i'm not a marketing guy i'm an analytic you know this but it, it's something around uh it's something around community it's something around um i guess it's what i'm promoting i'm promoting the game or the, the casino but it's still something around it's almost like a, it'd be like a cheers sort of feel, right? Like you're welcome. here, like norm at cheers. Like, <laughs> you know, like you're welcome here or something. That's what I would appeal to is there's the strategy, there's the stuff or whatever that that's involved in poker, but it's something around a a sense of belonging at the, at the, at the felt or like the the felt is almost like your shire right like <laughs> like like you are you belong here like you're you're out you're out oh, see now here we go uh you know you're out in the everyday world and you're you know you're out you're going to the whatever lord of the rings stuff you know you're out doing all these battles and all this stuff but you you come home to the shire like that's how <laughs> what that's what that's what i always wanted my house to feel like like okay i'm going to go out there and i'm going to have intense things and struggles and manage all this. And then I'm going to come home and this is my safe place, right? Sanctuary. My sanctuary in a way. Yeah. For those not familiar, the, the shire is kind of like that, the safe, peaceful resting place. And so <laughs> I might do something like that to, to try to encourage people to, to view the casino as not a, not a place of warfare <laughs> as, as much of a, as a place of, of belonging.
1: Belonging fellowship. Yeah. For
0: sure.
1: Yeah. What's a project you're working on that's near and dear to your heart, and it doesn't have to be poker related.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm writing a book um, and I'm, I'm preparing to deliver two TEDx talks uh, this year. Uh, nothing related to poker, even though there's always a, my life, everything's kind of integrated. Um, but uh, I'm working on this, this idea. It's called living your, living life like a safari is basically the premise. Uh, I mentioned I've been to Rwanda. So I've been to Rwanda four times on a lot of humanitarian work. Uh, and at the end of each of those trips, we always end on a safari, we go to different things. So I've been brushed up on by mountain gorillas, chased by elephants, all this kind of crazy stuff that is is surreal. And just like a year or two ago, I was really struggling in my personal world, my work world, uh, struggle with anxiety, which I'd never had before, ended up being sort of a PTSD thing, which is a whole long story. It's part of the book. But, but I'd, I started thinking about where in my life have I been the most happy? the most joyful, the most fulfilled. And I kept coming back to, it was those times on the safari when life was just, it was just me, the people in my Jeep and the Serengeti or whatever, wherever we were. Uh, and it was just so happy. Um, you know, my, my mouth would hurt from 10 hours of smiling the whole day. <laughs> you know, you're driving through the Jeep with the wind blowing through your hair and you're looking at elephants. Like it was just unbelievable. And so uh, as a long, long answer to this, but as I started piecing it together, I'm like, why can't I live life like a safari? And so what I've been doing for the last few months is in writing this book, uh, I've been like journaling every day, which I've never been a journaler. Uh, just a little bit at the beginning of the day, basically saying, all right, today's another adventure. It's another day in the safari park. What am I looking forward to on the safari day? Uh, and it doesn't have to be big epic things, but like, you know, you made the list today, like just this today's another adventure. Like I, I get another chance to experience the safari. Uh, and so that has actually changed my paradigm quite a bit. So instead of just looking at my list of things to do, which is always extensive, uh, I can actually view it as uh, I'm going on an adventure and, uh, how do I want to approach? How do I position my, my heart and my mind for this day to experience everything the day has an, has in store and not end the day feeling like it was just a, a wasted day, but actually it was a day of part of my safari. And so long answer, but I'm working on this book. Um, and it's bringing up a lot of things that I've wrestled with personally, which is really good. And it's also bringing out a lot of uh, practical things that I think we can do to try to change our perspective and to have more life fulfillment. So that's, uh, that's a project that I love when I have time to write. I just love working on it.
1: Circling back to poker making you feel alive and the adventurous aspect of it. Not knowing exactly what to expect on a day-to-day basis. Like I think, I think like the safari aspect, being in Africa, it's it's an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen um, from moment to moment, and in that unknown is for me the essence of living a a more fulfilled life.
0: I, I love that. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. Like poker does deliver that. You go on a safari, you don't know. Like we went, and, we went and hiked up the the rainforest and, and Volcanoes National Park in Northern Rwanda and to look at the gorillas and we didn't know. Like we were, they equipped us to handle every situation that could arise, but we didn't know what would happen. Uh, you know, all of these unknown things. Poker is the same way. Like I go in, like I have no idea, like, okay, is today the day that I win the $100 tournament or I rebuy twice and bust out in two hours? Like, I don't know. And I kind of, I kind of like the adventure of that. And some people don't like that that piece they want to know it's like my wife reads the end of a book before she reads the book what she does this and i'm like how can you do this so she's like well then i don't have to worry the whole time about who's going to make it and whatever i'm like oh you ruin the whole thing like i'm the guy that tapes sports and i'm like telling everybody please do not tell me the score because if i know the score i won't even watch it like i, I like the mystery sort of unfolding with that, and so that's sort of yeah. This my safari living looks different from somebody else's safari living, but that mystery, that intrigue, is all part of it for me. Like I don't know what's going to happen, and that sort of
1: fuels me. I love the unknown, and and <laughs> turning the page, and like reading a book, like wondering what's going to happen next. It's a puzzle, a mystery, yeah. trying trying to figure out what's going on uh, in the the broader picture. That's like right in my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah. So um, my, so my wife reading the end of the book would drive you nuts as well. It would drive me absolutely yeah. insane. I like, that's, that's the payoff. Like right. that you're reading <laughs> oh, the whole right. thing. That's, that's right. the payoff. Um, but, but that's where, you know, <laughs> understanding different personalities comes into play because once she explained it, I'm like, well, that does make some sense. I don't agree with it, but she likes the idea of now I don't have to worry. Yeah. Like, like she's not a huge sports fan, but like if she knew the Vikings beat the saints in the playoffs, she would love to know that in advance, and then she doesn't have to worry. She can enjoy the game knowing it's going to end well. And I'm like, but the whole point is what's going to happen. So it's, it's a very interesting dynamic. That, <laughs> that
1: certainly is. Okay, so let's fast forward 15 years, 15 years in the future. What are your accomplishments going to be in the poker field? What do you hope to have done?
0: I hope that I've won in like a, a mid-major tournament. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, a World Series of Poker bracelet is the ultimate, or whatever. You know, I'm I'm set more realistic goals. I think within 15 years, I can win, you know, some sort of a mid-major thousand-dollar buy-in type of tournament. I would like to have introduced a whole school of people to the poke to poker uh, and given them confidence to play in a casino. I'd love to have in 15 years, you know, 50 to 100 people that would say, you know, it was Steve. It was it was Steve and his passion for the game. That got me excited about the game, and my life's not the same. Like I've, I've loved playing the game. I've met all these new people, and my life is better because I've gotten into poker. And I want to thank Steve and his team uh, for that. So I would love to have that sort of a legacy uh, as well. As far as what I've accomplished with Rec Poker, I, I don't know. Other than other than that, it's it's introducing people to the game, building relationships. Um, maybe maybe another thing would be fifteen years from now. I would love to have some of the same relationships that I have right now that have built over this time, uh, because of my career, uh, you know, I've changed careers quite a bit. Uh, I've always worked an hour away from my house. It's always been hard to like build relationships that are prolonged, you know? And so, uh, I would love 15 years from now to feel like this, we have like six people on our core team, (laughs) you know? Uh, so it's a me and Jim and Chris and Rob and Taylor and John you know us six that are kind of this core team. I would love to feel like in 15 years we're still like really good friends. We're still talking poker, and now we're playing super seniors events together, and we're rooting rooting each other on, and we're celebrating. Uh, I would love that. So uh, accomplishments, I don't know. Uh, I'm less about setting goals like that, which you know maybe could hinder me. Uh, I'm more about the the type of life that I want to live and the type of people I want to be around. And if I could feel like in 15 years I sell some great relationships out of this deal yeah, that's a, that's a huge win for me.
1: You can't go wrong with any three of those goals. I think they're achievable, actionable. They're not outsized and will for sure make your life better. So yeah. Yeah. What's, what's wrong with that?
0: Um, <laughs> Nothing's wrong. It's not, it's not, as, not as uh you know, not as specific as a lot of people will set and uh, but we'll see, maybe those will emerge uh, over time. Um, but yeah, 15 years, if I can still be, if I'm still kicking that's that's win number one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that- you know, if, If I'm 65 years old and I'm still kicking and I still have my health, uh, that's win number one. If uh, it's surrounded by good people and good relationships, that's win number two. Uh, The rest of it's gravy, in my opinion.
1: 100%. So final question, where can the Chasing Poker Greatness audience find you on the World Wide Web?
0: Oh, thanks, man. Um, So we just uh, launched our new website, rec.poker. So everything that we do is at rec.poker. Uh, I know people are used to the .dot com. It's just .dot poker. So R E C .dot poker. Uh, the same thing on Twitter, Facebook, uh, wherever. But that's that's where to find us. All the stuff that we're doing. Uh, one thing that some of your folks might be interested in uh, is that we do a, a home game every month. We do the first Wednesday of every month and the second Wednesday of every month. We do a free home game on Poker Stars. Uh, super fun. We do a league and keep track of the points and all that stuff. And the first one is just no limit hold'em. The second one is mixed games. A lot of us are just trying to learn mixed games. And so that's a, a good way to kind of, uh, plug in if you want to, uh, again, we're just, we're just playing for bragging rights and we'll have some prizes at the end, but, uh, that's the kind of stuff that we love to do. And then we just, uh, you know, smack talk the whole time.
1: Yeah. Get in there guys, get in, get involved in a community and, uh, have fun. I mean, poker is very serious endeavor, obviously, and can emotional highs and lows, but you can also have fun and enjoy the fellowship. Uh Steve, it's been great having you on the show. I very, very much appreciate your time and your energy. And uh let's have you back on in a couple of years, catch up, see what's happening in the rec.poker poker world.
0: Awesome. I'd I'd love to, Brad. It was fun getting to meet you too. And I've gotten to listen to some of your podcasts now, too. And I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> so we're gonna be getting you on our show and telling everybody about what you're doing here too, because I think it's uh it's great stuff. And I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Uh, amidst, you know, I mean, it's it's me and Fedor. I mean, we're kind of you know, the, the same level in our careers.
1: Yeah. I could just <laughs> flip a coin, So two, a coin. two sides of the same coin.
0: Right. <laughs> right. But, but no, I appreciate being on the show and I'd love to have you on at some point and, and catch up with you there.
1: Of course. Of course. It's my pleasure.
0: Take care. Take care, Brad.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of chasing poker greatness. If you have yet to subscribe to the show, please take a second to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts may be. For more content from me, Coach Brad, please visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash enhance your edge, and I'll see you next time.